Hey y'all, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I get to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. And we're doing a little series here on Don't Mom Alone to help you out with your tech woes. My guest today, episode 424, is founder of Protect Young Eyes, Chris McKenna. That influences our parenting and it influences the way that we deal with technology from more of a position of fear and control as opposed to a position of relationship connection and confidence. I think as parents who did not grow up in a digital age, we have a lot of fears around technology and sometimes in those fears, we either shut everything out or we give up. And I want to help equip you with a great resource, someone who is on the front lines, in the know on everything technology, who came about his role. He was a CPA, he was a youth pastor, and he saw the need to help parents navigate and create safe digital spaces. Chris McKenna came on the show, episode 360. We linked that in the show notes if you want to hear more from Chris. We also have a great episode from Andy Crouch in the show notes, episode 208, and David Thomas. We want to kind of curate all the episodes we have done on technology and help equip you. Uh, In today's conversation, Chris shares a great set of tools to help our kids to start connecting with them around technology, to be transparent and honest, and just he's always super concrete. Real quick announcement before we get to the show, for my Dallas friends who are listening, one of my son's good friends from school, Pike, was diagnosed a month ago with a type, an aggressive type of leukemia that is requiring a bone marrow transplant to literally save his life. And so we need your help. They're having an event Sunday, August 27th at Park City's Baptist Church to register donors, bone marrow, blood stem cell donors. What this means is if you are between 18 and 55, you can sign up as a potential donor to help patients like Pike, and maybe you would be Pike's match, which would be super exciting uh, for me that this little blip in my show would allow Pike's donor to be found. The registration process is a matter of minutes. You just swing by Park City Baptist. You will learn what it means if you are a donor, and you'll fill out a form. You'll They'll swab your cheek, and it's that simple. And when you do, even the donation process is not super invasive for kids Pike's age. So please, please stop by if you were Pike's mom, who, by the way, just battled lymphoma herself, went under chemotherapy and hospital stays the last year and a half, you would want everyone to come by and see if they were a donor for your son. So let's not let her mom alone if you are in the area, if you're not in the area, I will put a link to where you can request a swab kit, but they are really hesitant to do that only for people who, like y'all, I know you are you are my people, you will complete the swab kit. Usually only 50% of people return them, so it's not very cost effective for them to send them out. But we want you to get registered and help as best you can. All right, let's get to my conversation with Chris. Here we go. Chris. Welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I am so happy to be back with you, Heather. It's awesome to see you. Well, thank you for saying yes to my very last minute request. Yeah, I, no problem. I am just going and going this summer and all of a sudden I was like, oh, 
I need to reach out to Chris. We're doing this tech series. He is the go-to on all things tech and parenting. And if I have not connected my audience to Protect Young Eyes, I want to do it now. So Well, I I appreciate that. You know, sometimes last minute is better where you <laughs> call up that friend you haven't spoken to in a while and go, hey, can you meet today? And they're like, yes, I can. But if you totally. had tried to plan it, you would all be too busy, right? So it's just yes. sometimes the way it rolls. We had one of those nights last night where all of a sudden I had all my people around the dinner table and I was like thrown together to make it look like I had this great meal. And then we all ended up playing a game uh, and I was like, how did this happen? If I had planned a family night, it would have been forced and miserable and just spontaneously. That was a miracle. So thank you. Um, we are doing this tech series, like I told you, and we've already talked about some perspectives. We've already talked about our relationships. I know a thing that a lot of parents reach out to me about, and I'm sure for you too, is protection, wanting to protect their kids from yeah. all the evil in the world that is suddenly very available through devices and feeling overwhelmed with the choices. They were like, which ones have you used? What routers, what, <laughs> you know, tools. And I think that you handled this whole conversation really well. So give us a big framework <laughs> to manage the anxiety and stress we feel on this topic. Yeah, yeah. Well, number one, everybody listening to this, um, you are in good company. There is a full country. Not You're not on an island. There is a full continent of parents that feel the exact same way. But we're all sort of just looking in the mirror at ourselves, thinking we're the only ones. And you, you certainly aren't. And at the same time, fear is a bully. Fear is a dominating force in the digital age. And the algorithm doesn't help our parenting style at all when it comes to that because all of the news that we're watching and looking at and the feeds that we're going through as parents actually thrive on tragedy and chaos because that's what humans engage with. Therefore, it feels as though that is the nature of the world that our children are in. And yet, I don't think that's always an accurate reflection, but that influences our parenting and it influences the way that we deal with technology from more of a position of fear and control as opposed to a position of relationship, connection, and confidence. And even if we don't say to our kids any of those things that are fearful, I think like little antennas, our kids have a radar. Like they they embody our emotions and things we're feeling and some really sometimes, you know, ways where we go, oh my gosh, you know, I can't believe that they picked up on that or they're saying that now or, right? They sense us and who we are. We're connected at a lot of different levels with our kiddos. And so one, I want to validate that, yes, you're not alone. And two, I want to say there's a cure, there's hope. We can get past that even in the digital age. And I want to maybe lay out a, a framework for us to think through where we can maybe move in a more positive, confident direction. Yeah. No, it's real, y'all. It's real. You aren't the only one. one. Like one of our guests said, even this concept of some change that we're unfamiliar with that wasn't part of our childhood is a normal progression throughout history that That's right. parents have dealt with. How do we deal with this new quote-unquote technology of the written yeah. word? <laughs> like, How do we deal with, with uh, a television? So tell us this framework. What is a helpful way to alleviate sure. some of those fears? 
Yeah. And, and to call out maybe what you just said and maybe validating the way that we feel, the pace of change when it comes to these things as a parent is so much faster, right? Tech Technology changed. There has been transitions from, say, the radio to television to MTV or whatever, whatever we want to put on the timeline there. But they it happened at a slower pace. And now, I mean, just Mm. last night, I'm doing an app review for this new app. It's like every back to school period has a new app that is totally untested that all the kids run toward that have all these risks. And that's just it's happening all of the time. And so because it's impossible to stay up to date on all of it, I think we have to wrap our kiddos in multiple layers of protection so that they have the right tools, they have the right defenses against these sort of rapid changes, which honestly don't care at all for the safety and protection of our kiddos. So we have to we have to do that work. Now, I wish that wasn't true. I wish somebody asked the question on the post I did last night on this new Saturn app. Chris, why are they allowed to even release these kinds of tools, these kinds of apps? Well, number one, we have no product liability in the digital space, right? We don't just ship a bunch of dangerous cribs because you can sue somebody for manufacturing a dangerous crib. We don't have that with digital tools. And number two, we don't have any codes that app developers are forced to adhere to to design things with kids in mind in the first place. Now, I share that as context Mm. because what does that mean? That means that the manufacturers and our laws are not doing the job they should, which means a lot of it falls on us as parents, as caregivers, And a lot of it also falls on our children because access to these tools is often access points that we don't always control. So we have to give them tools in their tool belt to know what to do when they encounter a doorway, a tablet, an unprotected device at a friend's house, whatever it is, because we can't always be there. The danger is more frequent, prevalent, the doorways are more than what you and I dealt with, where we had to actually go and have a plan and find danger because it was physically someplace different than in the pocket of our friends standing next to us. So with all of that as context to yeah. say, we've got to, we've got to have sort of multiple ways of doing this. And there's, there's kind of like two illustrations, Heather, that I use, and I'll, I'll share the first one, which is sort of a three part way to think about it. And then I'll share another one, which is maybe a five part way. Just you'll be able to pick which one resonates with you the most. (laughs) Um, The the first one that I'll share talks about wrapping our kids with different tools that are either spiritual, technical, or relational. And let me change the order, spiritual, relational, and then technical, because that's the order I want them to be in, right? I I want us to be praying for the heart and the mind of our kiddos to use scripture as the weapon that it can be. Uh, Maybe Psalm 119.37, right? Turn my eyes, put a child's name in there, turn Blake's eyes away from worthless things, right? So we certainly pray for the protection, for the wisdom, and, you know, for our kids to be protected in that way. No question. Well, and the ultimate don't mom alone hack is when your children profess faith, then they have the Holy Spirit. So pray for the Holy Spirit to do the nudge, you know, to do the the work that you can't, like you said, be present all the time doing for them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, and that can't underestimate that. And at the yeah. same time, if all you do is pray that your child doesn't look at yeah. pornography 
and yet don't do anything else, the probability of your child finding pornography is still incredibly high. And, and some will say, well, Chris, you just need more faith. I'm like, no, listen, even Jesus came to physically, tangibly, practically be with us and to show us what life looked like in the flesh. And so I do think it is appropriate to still engage practical, physical tools to help us parents in the digital age. But I don't want to jump to those because that next one is relationally, right? So spiritually, we yeah. wrap them in protection. And then relationally, we build a foundation of what we call digital trust with our children so that whether they are with us or not, they know that regardless of what happens to them, and I want them to hear this all the mm -hmm. time, Heather, regardless of whether it was their fault or not, that they can always land safely and softly with us. And I want them to hear mm -hmm. that from us all the time. I mean, moms and dads and grandparents and aunts and uncles, whoever's listening to this, if you don't know for certain that the little humans that you love and care for know for certain that they can land safely and softly with you, then you have 48 hours from when you heard me say it now to make sure that they do. Like, I, I want yeah. them to know that. And I want them to hear that frequently because they're up against an algorithm that is trying to share other things with them really frequently. Are you more powerful and more present with those words than some of the bombardment they're getting through, you know, what the feed or the algorithm or the ads are, are telling them and building that relational trust? And that starts so young. Yeah. And that's a conversation. If you said in the next 48 hours, it's a time outside of maybe a conflict <laughs> of related yeah. to devices where you just you communicate and give them a script right now what are the exact words they could say well so earlier we started off or i started off by talking about we have this fear as parents one of the things i tell parents is i want you to verbalize all of those digital fears i want your kids yeah. to know all of the things that are concerning to you in the digital age because if you put them out there, one, I think automatically when you put things out of the light, they automatically have less control over us, right? Mm. We know that. When you say yeah. it, now automatically it's just sort of out and you're like, okay, wow, it's not this thing that's just corrosive and eating at me. And I also think from time to time, our kids can then engage in helping us know whether or not that is a right fear to have. Like, no, mom, you don't have to worry about that. Or no, dad, you don't have to worry about that because if that's ha whatever happens, this is what I would do. And you go, oh my gosh, you know what you, you, you know how to respond to that? You mean, I worried all this time. So one of the videos, <laughs> the reels that, you know, we've used on social media is share all of your digital fears with your children. Put them out there mm. so that you build this yeah. authentic bridge of trust with them that they kind of know you're human, right? They kind of know that you've got things. Say to them, there is no, I mean, we use the Bible as, as a parenting playbook, but it's vague in certain places. And so amazing son or daughter of mine, I am fumbling and bumbling through the digital age trying to figure this out. I guarantee I'm going to screw it up. And when I do, please tell me. And here are the things I'm worried about. Can you help me understand if I should be worried about these things? Like, I think those are really, if I was role-playing there a little bit, I think those are really rich and powerful conversations to have with our kids. Yeah, that's really good. Okay, moms, it's time to get a little personal, but I've really 
love sharing with y'all things that I love. And this summer, first of all, you know, I'm into the dresses. Okay. But my dress game has improved dramatically because of honey love. Let me tell you the best thing ever is honey loves crossover bra. Let me explain. I have the white version and it has this little mesh kind of at the very top of the bra. And so if I have a dress that would normally need like a little tank or something under it, cause it maybe it goes a little too low. The bra looks like I have on a tank without adding an extra hot layer to my already hot situation. It has been such a game changer and there's no underwire. And so it feels comfortable, breathable. It's soft. I'm telling y'all, they have figured out how to do shapewear well, because it looks good under a t-shirt. It looks good under dress. There's no back bulge. Like the way I'm, I'm feeling it right now, the way it lays on my back, there's no bulging. It just feels like supported and contoured without discomfort. I am not usually at the end of the day, I'm just so ready to be done with the bra situation. When I'm wearing Honey Love, I kind of forget. I kind of forget. Isn't that a great thing with (laughs) all that we have going on to have the comfort of a good bra and Honey Love has figured it out. And not only do they have bras, they have shapewear, they have leggings, they have tanks, so many options that if you've never checked out Honey Love and I get to be the one to introduce you, mm, that makes me so happy. So treat yourself to the best shapewear on the market. And I have a special code for you. Save 20% off at honeylove.com forward slash DMA for Don't Mom Alone. Use that exclusive link to get 20% off. Honeylove.com forward slash DMA. Cinched, snatched, and lifted. It's hot girl season thanks to Honey Love. And then to communicate if that fear has been realized and you have seen something then this this is the message I want to communicate. And what would you say, what would a parent say in that situation? Yeah, well, and, and in that sort of relationship building process there, it's not just saying it, it's then also practicing it. So it's one thing to say to mm. your son or daughter, if anything were to happen to you, you can come and tell me. But kids don't always think tangibly or practically like that's a that's a good abstract thought and we need to say that right but then what has to happen is you practice what that means and so if you say to your son or daughter hey i just want you to know that no matter what you would see on this chromebook or no matter what might pop up in this game that we just downloaded that you can come and tell me then what you say to that 9 10 or 11 year old is all right here's what we're going to do to practice that. I want you to sit on the couch. I want you to have the iPad in your hand. I'm going to go upstairs in the bedroom. I'm going to close the door as if I'm busy. And I want you then to pretend you saw something on the iPad that you know you shouldn't see. I want you to come up the mm-hmm. stairs. When I say go, I want you to come up the stairs. I want you to knock on the door. And I want you to say, mom, I just saw something on the iPad. Dad, I saw something on the Chromebook that I know I shouldn't see. Right? It actually gives them that I know what to do because if all you ever do is just say, come and tell me, then when it happens, let's say you're busy at work, you're on a Zoom call, that little lying voice (laughs) in their head is going to make them go, don't bother them now. You can't tell them this now. You're going to get in trouble. 
if you've never practiced it to tell them, it's okay to interrupt me. I'm going to pretend I'm on a Zoom call. Knock on my door and I'll know that you need to talk to me. Those are the sort of practical applications of that abstract thought that are so helpful when it comes to building that bridge of digital trust with your kiddos. That's great. That is a really good idea. And I have never tried that, but I need to. That's a good one. Okay, y'all, you have your assignment. If you've listened so far, you've already got, you're going to pray and you're going <laughs> to practice this building of relational trust. And I think it goes even beyond devices, y'all, as you're leading into teenage years, there's going to be stuff they're going to see. There's going to be a party they go to. They need to know you're a safe person to share these things with. And so practicing that is going to help you all around as you head into these years. Um, yeah. Okay. Then this last area, do you have any more on the digital relationship um, piece or? Yeah, because I, I just want to offer one thing because there's somebody who may have teens and well, that sounds good for a nine-year-old, but what about my 14 or 15? Yeah, right. And that's a great, that's a great right. pushback. And one of the things that I, I try to avoid is I don't want to surprise my kids with consequences, meaning I want them to know what the outcome of bad choices are before they make a bad choice. And then to mm. say to them, if this were to happen to you, this is what would happen. I would probably take your phone away. We would have a period of time where you're not going to be online if this is the choice that you make. But there is a process of building trust back up so that you can get it back. And then that's what this looks like too. So I think with that older child, it's laying out what the path of trust looks like, but also what the path of punishment and then what rebuilding of trust looks like so that they just kind of know. Again, it's that abundant, ridiculous transparency with our kiddos because 15 and 16-year-olds also have that little voice that's saying, well, I don't know what's going to happen and I don't want to lose my phone and what's going to... like." We try to give voice to all of the voices that are in their head from us early and often so they know what to expect. So that's just kind of a principle, I think, to keep in mind if you are a parent of an older child is to have that kind of ridiculous sort of transparent conversation with them so that they know what to expect. And in that situation, when you're talking about like the consequences, this is more an intentional choice they made to go against what y'all had already established as your family's guidelines versus just a, like we talked about earlier, you happened to see something and it That's wasn't right. intentional. You were on YouTube or you were searching yeah. and it just came up. That's a very different like heart situation. It is. It is. You know, and one is, you know, just recently, one of the biggest issues that teen boys are dealing with right now, Heather, is the issue of financial sextortion, where a direct so message awful. is received, yeah. right, from somebody who is pretending to be somebody else and they entice a teen boy who has that overactive dopamine reward response of maybe I'll get a nude photo back. So they send something they shouldn't. And now they're in a high pressure pickle where they feel. So like I want parents to walk through that entire scenario. You've sent a nude photo, yeah. amazing son of mine. One, may we never send pictures of our penis to other people. Can I just say that out loud? I want, like, I want parents to actually say those kinds of things to their kids. But if you did, here's exactly what I want you to do. And here's exactly how I'm going to respond. And here's exactly how we're going to get through this together. Okay. So tell them what, because that was a great post. Thank you for sending it. I did have a conversation with my boys after 
their immediate response was, why would you ever do that now? Right. Here's the story, Morning Glory. They may be saying that out loud. They may be thinking, in a, like you said, in a, another situation where their filters are off or they're not be using their frontal lobe, which barely is there, that they might have done it. So um, I thank you for sharing that. Um, and you walk through what they should do. So tell everyone, if they haven't seen that post, what do we instruct them to do? Yeah, so we... We, we tell, right? Then we report um, using whatever. So, you know, tell that, that parent, whatever the parent has laid out is that here's how you tell me, right? And then you report through the app, but then also through law enforcement. But I'll tell you, often law enforcement just doesn't have the bandwidth or the resources to track down all of these cases, but try nonetheless. And then the third thing to do is to not pay a penny. Because what these yeah. evil, uh, these individuals doing these, this evil thing, they have 10 or 15 young men that they're working on all at the same time, copying and pasting all the same high pressure message of send me, send me, send me, send me, or I'm going to share it, share it, share it, share it. And what they're looking for is the kid who nibbles and then they'll ignore the other 14 and they'll go pressure, 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 pressure on that one until he buckles. And that's all they're looking for. They're looking for one kid to buckle so that they'll send Venmo or they'll send, you know, cash. They'll go to the, they'll call up an Uber and pressure them to go to a CVS to get a whole bunch of Visa gift cards and set, right? All of these different schemes after they have found the one kid. And so don't pay them a penny, no matter what they say, because all they're looking for is the weak one. Mm. Mm. Tragic situation. Yeah. One other question I had about that, that yeah. came up in my mind. Um, and I, don't know if you've been asked this before. Sometimes I will see your posts about, let's say, Saturn or that situation with the boy. And I want to bring it up with my kids. But some, there's sometimes a little voice in me that's like, if they don't know about it, should I be bringing it up? Because then am I engaging their curiosity to go ch check it out or to see if that would happen to them? Or like, you know what I'm saying? Like, do I yeah. open a door and have a conversation about something that they're clueless about? Or do I take the offensive move and bring it up so that it, they, it doesn't yeah. happen and reacting to it later? Does that make sense? It does. And so what you just named, Heather, was a digital fear. And I would say okay. those exact same words. If you choose to have that conversation that feels like it could, that the enemy could weaponize your gesture of equipping your child in that way, then you call that out with your child. You say, you know what? I, mm. I want to talk about this new app that's out there. Here's what I don't want you to do, amazing child of mine. I don't want you out of curiosity to go and run it and download it. And again, in transparency, if I find out that you did that, here's going to be the consequence if you do. I'm trying to give okay. you a tool and information so that you know how to handle it. What kind of parent would I be if I just secretly held on to good information and just hoped and prayed, maybe over relying on the spiritual side without the practical, just hope with my head in the sand that you don't run into it. So I think that's the exact kind of transparent conversation that I would love more parents to have is to just call out exactly the thing you hope doesn't happen by you sharing it, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, it is. I, I literally was just having a conversation in the car. I said, have you ever heard of this app Saturn? <laughs> And he's like, no. 
I said, well, it's kind of crazy that it even exists. And I don't really, I don't want you to download it. And anyway, as we're talking, I can see him pulling it up on the app store. And then he's saying, well, actually, I could see how this could be helpful right now so I could know who's in my classes. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah. And walking through that with him, I think if he, if we even go through that, looking at it together with them to go, okay, but can you also see how somebody could use this to, you know, know too much or a predator could find out a bunch of kids where they are. You're right. And for all the things that God has given us that can be used for good, let's never forget there's this side. I I think there's a power in going through that exercise together, just like you did. Okay. Well, good. Good. And y'all can go to your research and watch his video on Saturn if you want. With two middle schoolers and two high schoolers and three different schools, my head has been spinning with all the emails and all the different start times and pickups and oh my stars, y'all. But one thing that has been bringing me sanity is the fact that I chose to get a box from HelloFresh with three dinners for six people. It was so helpful. I don't know how to explain it. I keep telling you all about HelloFresh and maybe you've tried it before and it wasn't a fit for your family. That's fine. But for me, honestly... It's such a relief after trying to get everybody where they need to be and still doing my regular job to know at the end of the day when everybody's tired from sports and it's 120 billion degrees in Texas and they're trying to get into the groove of school and whatever, they were finishing up summer reading, they were doing homework again, to know what's for dinner. And I even had a couple quick and easy dinners come that were ready in 15 minutes They come with these giant recipe cards, which I've shared before, but it's great. It has a picture of what the finished meal looks like. If whatever boy is in the kitchen or in the living room when I'm getting ready to pick the dinner, I will let them choose. I'll say, which of these things would you like for dinner? And my 11-year-old was like, oh my goodness, I want those hamburger lettuce wraps. Those are my favorite. So what do you know? 15 minutes later, dinner's on the table. We're all eating together. It's so awesome. And Y'all, these are good ingredients and pre-portioned and you can feel like you're still cooking. There's some chopping involved, but y'all, to me, that's a little therapeutic. I don't know. When life is getting busy, the default is to get drive through or, you know, grab something that's not great for us, not healthy and costs so much more. I've saved money and time with HelloFresh and I just want to help y'all out too. So please go check it out because we have a deal. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50 DMA. So five, zero, the numbers DMA for don't mom alone. Use that code 50 DMA and you'll get 50% off plus free shipping. So go to hellofresh.com slash 50 DMA. Use the code 50 DMA for 50% off plus free shipping. And you will agree with me that HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. But I, I love, to me, communicating the relational side is such a huge piece of anything related to digital because it is, like you said, changing all the time. And we can yeah. do our best. But do you have any more on that? No, not on that one. I think, you know, we've kind of set the okay. order here of the, the <laughs> spiritual, the relational, and then the technical, which I know you've covered. I encourage Um, listeners here to go listen to maybe some of the other conversations that you've had around some of the tools that exist that is mostly hardware and software tools 
that we also wrap around our kiddos, that we're actually designed with children in mind. Radical idea, right? That we have digital things that were designed with kids in mind. Um, and those yeah. technical solutions, you know, if you imagine sort of a progression, we're all about right kid, right tech, right time at Protect Young Eyes. Mm. We say delay is the yeah. way. That's our hashtag. And delay is the way is not a no tech strategy. It's a slow tech strategy. Therefore, we expose at the right time our kids to certain technologies that we know that they're developmentally ready for. And so we yeah. start maybe with a gab phone or a bark phone, something that was designed for kids to be used where they are developmentally. You already kind of hinted at that with some of the brain development that's going on. And it's not that kids can't make good decisions. It's just that their brains are tuned to make certain kinds of decisions fast that algorithms can weaponize very easily, that pornography can weaponize very easily. And so we put them in devices that were actually made for them. And then when we give them devices that maybe weren't exactly made for them, then we have hardware and software solutions that we put on those devices that can make them safer or more appropriate for, for our child. Um, and that's one of the other frameworks we talk about, which is a little bit more of a technical framework around we have the Wi-Fi layer then the software layer on the device. And then we keep devices out of certain locations, like we don't use devices in bedrooms or bathrooms or school buses or another high-risk place. And then we use the parental controls that maybe are in Snapchat or Instagram, which are always weak. They're always 10 steps behind, but they exist, right? So there's this kind of technical framework that we also wrap our kiddos in with that router. I know you've talked about Griffin. I love Griffin, right? It's a router that has controls using software on the device like Bark or Covenant Eyes or others that can make a device safer by keeping devices out of certain physical places because where you use technology often dictates how you use technology. We sometimes have talked about the toxic trio at Protect Young Eyes. I can't remember if I mentioned this in our previous conversation, but the toxic trio is boredom, bedrooms, and darkness. And whenever those mm. three factors are present and you have somebody online, to me, it increases the temptation. As my Catholic friends would say, it increases the near occasion of sin, right? That it puts you in a spot where you are ripe for the enemy to go, hey, 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 no one's watching. Everyone's in bed. Yeah. Just tap once, right? And that is a toxic yeah. thought. That's why we call it the toxic trio. But it's a thought that almost always feels like a better idea alone at 11 p.m. than it does during the day at 11 a.m., right? Yeah. I mean, as a man who struggled 100%. with pornography for years, I can tell you a lot of really bad decisions feel right in the middle of the night. And yeah. so that's that yeah. location kind of, uh, of side of our devices and then, you know, enabling the controls that the apps themselves have. So that's, that's sort of those three parts there. And those are all things maybe your listener is going, okay, Chris, even though you broke it down into three areas, that still feels overwhelming my, my invitation to you is to pick a spot and go. Like that was something my driver's ed instructor told me as I was learning how to merge on the highway, right? You look over your left shoulder, you put in your turn signal and you pick your spot and go. I remember Mr. Hayes telling me that. And same thing is true. If you're saying, I haven't thought about our router in two years, 
pick your spot and go. Mm. I didn't mm. know that, or I haven't said anything to my kid about how they should come to me in a certain situation. Pick your spot and go, right? So yeah. whatever you're, you know, you you just want to go after first. That's all I'm asking you to do. And then you pick another highway to merge onto, and then you go there and do it one step at a time because the enemy wants you to look at all of it, feel overwhelmed, to be paralyzed and do nothing. And I want you to look at one thing and go, yeah, I can do that and do something. And I think anybody can. So good. And I'm thinking back to what you said about the lack of legal control over digital things our kids are exposed to and how in the early years of parenting, I remember all the conversations about the organic snacks and foods and the Food and Drug Administration was already regulating, but we were like, let's take it one step further. And I don't want any chemicals and anything that my sweet baby eats. And then it's like, you get so tired (laughs) by the time they're middle school and high schoolers that you are done kind of patrolling and regulating. And I think that this conversation just is a reminder that we don't even have a quote unquote Food and Drug Administration for digital things. So this is like ground zero of patrol until maybe our kids' generation that's been impacted, they become the legislators and some sort of child protective digital act is enforced. Um, I know you do a lot of legislative work and I'd be curious, is that on the horizon? Have you, I know you've met with different leaders in this and are they working on some sort of version of the FDA for digital things? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a really um, important question that you're asking. And we already have laws on the books that just simply aren't being enforced, right? We have obscenity Mm. laws, Heather, that would, and we could have a whole separate conversation about the first amendment. That's not what I'm trying to say here. I love the constitution and I love freedom. Just set that aside. If you're, if you're already judging (laughs) me on that, that, that's not, that's a non-issue. Oh man, I I forgot. I I didn't even think about that, that we would, we judged on that. Yes, Chris. Oh gosh. Yeah. Just don't talk about the Enneagram. Okay. Just don't talk about the Enneagram. (laughs) That's right. That's right. But I'm saying that there are laws on the books that already give us a doorway by which we can enforce some accountability. It's just one, it's not being done by the government agencies that exist. And two, the courts have grossly misinterpreted the original intent of some of these laws. And we also Mm. desperately need updates. We desperately need a law that no longer says that 13-year-olds are digital adults, which was the age that was established in 1999, four years before MySpace even existed, that has now been totally misinterpreted to mean that that's the age when social media is appropriate. And now we've gotten to the point where to your exact illustration on, we start with organic and then we get tired and lazy and now we're just throwing whatever fruit snacks we want to put in front of them. 13 was sort of the marker we used to have when Instagram and Snapchat first came out. And now it's, ah, I don't even want to fight against my nine or 10 year old who's asking for it. So now we're saying yes, then, I mean, this is where there is a shared responsibility to establish laws that prevent egregious harm from happening to kids, not only in families that are doing a good job, but it is also our responsibility to protect children who have parents who don't care about their digital well-being. See, I think that's our yeah. gospel call. When people get into this tussle with me around, well, I don't want more government or more laws. I'm like, okay, I hear you. 
but there has got to be a spot where I can still make choices as a parent. And when I make good choices, egregious digital harm isn't frequently happening to my kids. And also we are protecting kids, vulnerable children who have parents who just don't care about the devices that they have. Don't we also have a responsibility for default protections for them where their parents have failed them? And I think the answer to that is yes. So that is a whole separate podcast I would love to have. It's yeah, I yeah, I yeah. think to go back to the food illustration, I remember being in a grocery store in a different neighborhood than we live in, and the food choices were very different. The ones that were yes. on the end caps, the fruit and vegetable sure. there was like hardly any part of the grocery store. And I was thinking, okay, so the choices were even different for a different yeah. community based yeah. on their economic level. And then I'm thinking, okay, there are families where they don't have a choice that the mom and the dad and maybe the grandparents are all working. And so the child is home more. And so then the child is vulnerable. And it's not even like they're neglective parents or not wanting to be intentional. It is literally just survival. And to be a part of helping that child, it just feels like, yes, why would we not? And I agree with you. We don't need you know, yes, the whole argument of do we have too much government, but it's like we care about the food going in our mouth. Why would we not care about the things going in our hearts? You know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I know. And I think when it comes to minors, again, I I feel just strongly that we have a supreme responsibility to protect our minor children from certain harms that become adult issues that multiply generation after generation, right? So that's what we're talking about. And I just think, right, that I love the, and I'll misquote it, but right, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's quote around the morality of a society is judged by how it treats its children, right? Or something to that Mm -hmm. effect. And I just think that we have a responsibility to protect our children from certain harm. I think the Government has a responsibility in the right balance to also protect children in this country from certain harm. Certainly, Mm -hmm. the technologies that are causing the harm in the first place have a responsibility to design technologies that do no harm to our children. Mm -hmm. They built the tech. They know how to solve this problem. There's an amazingly powerful quote that people would find in our social media feeds from um, Hani Farid, uh, he's a PhD, brilliant out in California. He developed photo DNA, which is the technology that identifies child sexual abuse material by assigning it a hashtag. And he has this quote that says, right, in this country, if we have one tainted head of romaine lettuce, we pull every head of lettuce off of every shelf in every grocery store in the United States. Yet, The problem of exploiting children online is decades old. And then he he finishes with this. He says, why do we not have the most sophisticated and elegant child protection technologies on earth? Right? It's so backwards when you think about it. So that's really all I'm asking for is may we treat children in the digital world the same way that we treat them with car seats and helmets and safety and cribs and all these things in the physical world because we're yeah. we're, we're we're getting to a point where it's going to be too late. Yeah. Yeah. 
Thank you for sharing a little of your heart and your motivation, which is pure and good and not motivated <laughs> like a lot of the companies that are benefiting from our children. It's a, just another way of, um, I think, another form of abuse of our children is to monetarily be rewarded for sabotaging yeah. their souls. Thank you for your time today. I know that your website is a wealth of information. You all are staying on top of things. If you all, if you're listening and you are not following Protect Young Eyes or getting their emails, um, I'm just going to encourage you to do it not out of a fear place, but just an informed place as an intentional parent that I know you are because you're listening to this episode. Uh, I find it really helpful just to, I can't stay on top of all the things. I'm just trying to keep up with three schools and the emails they send me. Um, so it's helpful. Amen. Thank you, Chris, for the work that you do. Uh, I know that I need to go look up how to set the filters for YouTube because I'm darn sick of hearing all the cussing that's coming out of my TV. And like literally, they'll be watching some video and then someone cusses. I'm like, guys, turn that off. And they're like, I didn't know he was going to cuss. I know. Why the heck are they? Here, I'm going to cuss. Why the heck are they letting yeah. them post the video? <laughs> it's like a, I don't understand. So I'm going to have to go look that up unless you have a quick tip. Uh, yeah, no, look it up. We just shipped a complete massive ultimate YouTube guide um, about a month or two ago. You can find it on our website and our social feeds. Um, yeah, there you go. Yeah, no, it's it's real. I know the moms, they understand. Um, yeah, it's, it is a job that I'm tired of having. I already feel like I have a lot of jobs and being a, a patrol of the digital things is not one I love, but um, this is where we are. This is what we're doing. So thank you for equipping us. Uh, really appreciate your time and your heart so much. Thank you, Heather. My pleasure. All right, y'all. These are definitely show notes you want to check out because your number one step is to make sure you are following Protect Young Eyes, whether it's on their Instagram, their Facebook, their website. Also check out those episodes I mentioned, more resources for you when it comes to technology and navigating digital things with your family. Uh, I'm going to pray for us. Lord, I pray that a spirit of fear would not take hold when it comes to technology with our kids and for ourselves, Lord, that we would be wise and that we would come to you and ask your Holy Spirit to prompt us, to bring to mind, to tap on our shoulder when we need to check on a kid, when we notice something is different. I pray for connection between moms and kids and dads and kids and that these devices wouldn't cause division in families, but um, that there could be a spirit of unity and a core common belief of putting digital things in their place and what they're for. And Lord, I pray, um, I pray for us that we would um, not throw up our hands and surrender and say it's too much that we would lean in when we can to learn what we can, but also to trust you, God, that ultimately our kids would have a saving knowledge of you, that they would have the spirit in them, that your spirit would convict them, that they could walk forward as functioning adults who don't use devices to cope with the hard things of life. And Lord, I just... I pray for unity amongst moms when it comes to this conversation, that we wouldn't judge and hurt and be unkind with our words about other parents and how they're navigating something that is so challenging, Lord. 
Um, I pray for grace to abound. And I thank you, Lord, that we do have your word, that we do have your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Hope y'all were encouraged and uh, definitely, like I said, a thousand times, check out those show notes. If you want to get my uh, weekly note, don't forget, you can sign up, olaheather.com, and I drop my favorite things, whether it's a meal, whether it's something I found on Amazon, something I'm learning, um, but I'd love to connect with you that way, olaheather.com, and I'll see you back here next week with another episode for our tech series. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us. Moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 317, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.